listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Here's what I want to do. I want to take you on a bit of a journey here tonight and, and just have a conversation with you that hopefully will um, just expand what God thinks of you and also what you need to be seeing from God. He actually wants to show you some things. Now, by, by show of hands, can I ask this? How many people were here this morning? Give me a little wave. You were here this morning. A couple of people here this morning. Yeah, sporadic hands. Okay, cool. A couple of people. Good, good. Um, if you're new here tonight, uh, th- this is something that we've been journeying through all day. We, we really believe that God is a God who has a vision and a plan for our lives. Like He does. It's not, God's not, well, I, I, when, when I get to know you, then I'll discover a plan for you. Then I'll figure it out. The Bible actually says that before you were even formed, before you were even made, God had a plan for your life. He had the plan first, then He made you. So in other words, God's like, well, I want to, re- I want to radically revolutionize the young adults of Melbourne. Uh, what am I going to, you know, I'm going to make a Danny. And Danny's going to be the guy to help that happen. You know, I want to radically revolutionize the, the, the youth of Melbourne. I'm going to make a will, man. Will's going to do that. And, and so God makes the plan first, then He makes the person, which is so refreshing because it means then before you were even formed, He already had a plan. So you're not mistaken. There's no accidents. No, it was, you were intentionally, fearfully, and wonderfully made. How cool is that, right? And so we hope that you come to know that tonight. But um, turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 29. Verse 18, um, if you don't have a Bible, you can read along on the screen, on the big um, Kindle on steroids behind me, or um, you, 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 can, you, you can just listen. It's all good. But hey, here's, here's what it says. Now, this is the King James Version of the Bible. If you are um, totally foreign to church or, or, or the Bible, uh, it has many different translations that over the years has been transliterated in different English forms so that we can understand it better. One of the original English translations was called the King James Bible, and it is like written in Shakespearean language, which I think bring it back. Come on. How many people? A couple of people. Everyone's like, eh, too hard. Okay. So, um, but here's what he says. This is what, again, Solomon who writes this is one of the wisest people to ever walk the face of the planet besides Jesus himself. He's not just recognized in scripture as being one of the wisest, but even historical figures have recognized Solomon as an extremely wise and successful person. He accredits his success and wisdom, not to just his own intellect. He actually accredits it to God. God gave me the wisdom I had. So therefore, he pens through the inspiration of God, 31 kind of pithy, punchy statements called Proverbs. And I love this because there's 31, which means you could read one every single day. Like if you're ever struggling to read your Bible, uh, can I tell you, just read a proverb a day. In our church, we say a proverb a day keeps stupid away. Okay, so that's like, it's pretty helpful, right? Because it does. Wisdom is something we all want. So here's what he says. Here's what he came to this conclusion of in Proverbs 29, verse 18 in the King James. Where there is, let's say together, no vision. Where there's no vision, guess what? There is a side effect. People actually perish. And I love this. It's a real Shakespearean vibe kicks in. Ready? But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. He that keepeth the law, Happy. In other words, the byproduct of obeying what God wants for your life, guess what? You're going to be happier. Despite popular opinion, you're actually going to enjoy this a whole lot more, but it all starts as well with this vision that He has for you. The NLT says it like this. Watch this. Uh, NLT says, um, when people do not accept, watch this, divine guidance, divine guidance, when they don't accept that, guess what? They're going to run wild. They're just going to run wild. In other words, without vision, 
it's, it's not like, when you hear the word perish, it basically means like, man, it just doesn't a lot of, have a lot of meaning and tension. But when you see the word run wild, basically it's, I just don't have any focus. I have no, like, I just feel like I'm being led by emotions and situations and circumstances around my life. I feel like I'm just tossed and turned by the winds of life. But he's saying, listen, that's what happens when you don't have vision. Vision makes you live your days with intention. Vision makes you live your life on purpose. But watch this. He also, it says this, but whoever obeys the law is, come on, say that with a smile on your face, is, I can't even talk properly. Been a big day. Here we go. So I want to talk to you tonight around this whole, um, this beautiful truth that God has a dream for every single one of us. He has a vision for every single person in this room. And I have one big point I want to make, and uh, hopefully this is something that you can think about throughout this week, maybe and have some conversations with friends about. Here's my big point. If seeing is believing, how many people have heard that statement before? If seeing is believing, then ask God to help you see it and believe it. Both are a gift from God. Ask God to help you to see it. Because some of you are like, man, I'll see it when I believe it. Well, hey, have you, have you asked God? Because not only would He help you to see it, but He also help you to believe it. Amen. So we're going to unpackage what that means for us tonight. And I truly believe there's people in this room that you're going to have such an awakening to the reality that God has a vision for your life. And uh, come on, He is not done yet. There's so much more He wants to do, and it's bigger than you think. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for tonight. We thank You for everything You're doing in this church community. We thank You for this morning, 9 and 11, Lord, and what You're doing there. But we also thank You for the 5.30. We thank You that You are stirring in this community just a desire uh, to extend, God, just Your love to this city. And uh, I thank you that you're going to give just great wisdom and strategies and plans. Continue to do that, Lord. But I also thank you for tonight that as much as you have a vision for this church, you have a vision for every individual person. Even if they do not even believe in you yet, God, you are so big and robust that you have a plan for them and you are willing to even intervene tonight to show them firstly how much you love them, but also how much you have a plan for them. So tonight we just give you a blank canvas, Lord. Would you speak to us as only you can? We want to truly... uh, We want to hear from you, Lord. We want to know what you would have us do with our lives. God, we don't want a life that's perishing or running wild or without restraint, Lord. We want a life that is lived on purpose, Lord, because every one of us want to get to the end of our life knowing, man, I did something with it. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to understand that and live that out. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So um, let me ask you this question. How many people by show of hands, now this is the 5.30 crowd, potentially there's a lot of college students or young adults, young professionals, aka millennials. Um, how many people here, uh, how many people here love sleep? Oh man, look at that, there was this instant boom, pop up, right? I, I, like sleep is so good. How good is sleep? Like it, it, it is such, I mean, I'm so grateful. God gives us many gifts, come on, but how many people are grateful that He gave us the gift of sleep? Oh man, I just like I can. I'm, I don't like sleeping. So I'm not. A, I don't like to day nap. You know, I'm not into napping. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, the nana naps, as they say. I'm not into that. And I'm not, not, not hating on you for that, by the way. And I was like, well, people got really upset. They're like, oh, that's heresy. Stone him. No, take it easy. It's, a, it, it's just my personal preference. But um, I, I actually, I actually love um, sleep to the point where, um, I like, when I get to um, bed at night, like I cherish that moment. Like I see my bed and I'm like. There it is. <laughs> Still there. You, you never let me down, bed. Right? Like, you're always there for me, right? And I walk, and I feel like my bed is like, it, it's living. Like, it, 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 it responds to me. Like, I, I, I go to the bed, and it kind of just peels back the sheets, and it's like, come on. 
bring it in, buddy. You know, like, and I come in, we embrace. I'm like, Bed, you're so good. He's like, yes, I am, right? And we, that's just how my brain works. But I, I, I love it. I love, you know, and it's getting a little bit colder now. Come on, how many people are ready for the doona season? Come on, you're pulling up that doona. Oh man, I love the duvet. Come on, so good that you have that, that even like early in the morning, don't you hate that feeling? When, when for some random reason, the, the doona actually becomes about 500 kilos heavier. In the, it's always in the morning, and you're trying to get, oh, I can't, I can't, I'll just stay in. Okay, the doona wants me to stay in. <laughs> so so uh, I, um, I love sleep. Now, here's the thing. I am not, um, I, I'm one of those people, and I want to, by show of hands, want to know if you are this as well. I'm one of those people who, if I put my head to the pillow, I am out like that. Come on, how many people, you are just an instant sleeper. Give me a little wave. Yeah, look around the room. Oh, yes, we're all in this together. It's so good, right? I love this. I can do that. I can, my wife can be having a conversation with me for like 10 seconds. I literally just hopped in bed. She's like, so honey, what do you want to do tomorrow? Honey, sweetheart. I'm like, I'm out. Like I'm, I'm dead to the world. I am the heaviest sleeper um, to the point where if someone was to rob our house, like they could literally drive, they could bulldoze through the front door and I would, I, I would be dead asleep. I'd wake up in the morning and be like, oh my gosh, what happened? We've been robbed. Like, <laughs> like I'm that deep a sleeper, which helps me a lot, especially when you have three kids. Yeah, yeah, like they'll be crying and then Alana will be like, did you hear them crying last night? No, not at all. I'm kind of lying. But anyway, so <laughs> anyway, but, but I'm, I'm a deep sleeper um, and, 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 and my wife, however, is the alternative. She is the lightest sleeper. So, so any noise, like she wakes up instantly. Like I would just pull the sheet over myself and just make that slight little, you know, like the rustling sound and she'd be like, huh, what's that? What's, what was that? I'm like, I'll just move the sheet. She's like, can you not? Can you know, I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, sorry, babe, like this. And I'll, and I'll just be breathing, like breathing in and out. She's like, what's that noise? Oh, it's just me breathing. Can you not? I'm like, I'm not going to suffocate for your comfort. But anyways, so, so we, you know, she, she's just like that. So my, my, my wife and I, um, we're different in the sense that we, she's a light sleeper. I'm a heavy sleeper. But we're both dreamers. Okay, we both have these, um, like when I go to sleep, I pretty much dream every night. Like how many people you would, that would be you. Every night you'd have some dream. Have you had those times but where dreams feel so real? Like you wake up thinking, oh my gosh, did that happen? Like, am, am I famous yet? <laughs> no, like, you, know, you, you have these random dreams and you're like, oh my gosh, it feels so, it's surreal. Like it's this euphoric sense you wake up with. And, and, and my wife, however, her dreams, um, she doesn't wake up and just have like that feeling. It seems like in her sleep state, in her dream state, she actually becomes a different person. Like she does. Like, um, how many people, um, you're familiar with sleepwalkers? Give me a little, little, how many people, you are a sleepwalker. Give me a little wave, right? A couple of sleep, not many. It's not a support group. You can put your hand up, right? Everyone's like, no, okay. But I, 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 my wife is not a sleepwalker, but she's like, um, she, she reacts in her sleep. Like she becomes someone different in her sleep. Let me explain. So we get married, uh, this 18 years ago, um, we got married, right? So this is our 18th year of, uh, year of marriage and um, hold the applause. But... Um, <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty good milestone, but anyway, so uh, so so 18 years of marriage, but 18 years ago, we're now we're sleeping in the same bed, and 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 I didn't realize this about my wife, but when when I married her, I married this. She she's very strange in her sleep, right? So I I hear this noise, and I feel like this presence in the bedroom. I'm like, what what is? And I'm a deep sleeper, but I wake up and I roll over, and there is my wife, Alana. True story. She is crouching on the bed like this. Like eyes wide open, staring at me. I'm like, oh. I look at her, I'm like, honey, 
are you okay? Like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, it's, it's, I'm thinking, like, this is some weird, this is like demonic. Like, what's going on? I'm like, what? N- name yourself, right? <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> she's going to be Legion. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> power of Christ compels you. Like, I'm thinking, what's going on, right? So, so I look at it and she's staring at me. So she's wide eyed, but she's staring at me. I'm like, oh, like, what do, what do I do? Now, I find out this after the fact that you're actually not meant to um, disturb people who sleepwalk. You're not meant to. You're meant to just let them be, right? But I'm like, I don't know this. So I reach out. I'm like, honey, are are, are you okay? And I go to grab her and she literally, because I go to grab her, she jumps off the bed, leaps off and smashes into the cupboard right behind the bed. And um, she suddenly wakes up. She's like, what happened? Like, it's my fault, right? She's like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, babe, you happened. Like, are we all right? Are we all good? I'm getting holy water. I'm spraying all over the place. Like, just think this was bizarre, right? This, (laughs) how many people would admit this? That when it comes to dreams, dreams are quite powerful. They really are. They can make you do profound things. Now, now here's the thing. I believe that there is, um, there's two types of dream abilities we have, if you will. There's a dreaming we have when we put our head to the pillow and we dream at night, but then there's also the dreams we have when we're awake. I would think one comes from the mind when we're deep in sleep, but when we're awake, it's one that comes from the heart. It's this ability to see something. It's like, man, I've got this dream in my heart. And it's, it's amazing to me that when God made us human beings, that He gave us the ability to have vision or imagination. Do you realise, again, we are the only species that has that ability to imagine things that are not yet there. Why? Because we are made in His image. We have this ability like God to imagine and to think and create. And what I found about God is that God often speaks through dreams. Now you read your Bible, I'm telling you, I encourage you to go back and check it out. He would speak through visions and through dreams. And I still believe God is doing that today. That God has a vision and a plan for each and every one of us, but often we're unable to understand or discern or to see what He wants us to see. I, I heard this story a little while ago. I thought it was so profound. I had to share it. There's, there's actually a place in America called Death Valley. How many people are familiar with Death Valley? Okay. Uh, if you don't know anything about Death Valley, it is, uh, it's in um, California and it is this arid wasteland. It's just dry. And the reason why it's called Death Valley is because nothing grows there. It has very little rainfall and it's extremely hot. And so here's a picture. I'll put this up on the screen. This is what Death Valley looks like. Nothing there, no life. So people, it's, it's it, like people would drive through it, go around it. Obviously, no one's going there for a family vacay. You know what I mean? Like, let's go to Death Valley. No, no, no. It, it's just, there's, there's no point. Now, in June of 2004, a phenomenon took place in Death Valley. They had seven inches of rainfall in Death Valley, which again was like, wow, how did that happen? Where did this come from? But the rain came and scientists and people took note of it, thought, man, that's, that's interesting. And, and then it kind of just kind of dissipated and went away. But what, what happened is literally from, from that season, from June of 2004 to the following spring of the next year, they found this phenomenon took place. Check this out. What was once dry, dead, arid wasteland was now this beautiful, colourful field of flowers. And here's what they came to the conclusion of that day, was that, my goodness, Death Valley, we've named it wrong. It's not death at all. It's not dead. It was just dormant. Just dormant. In other words, there was always the seeds of potential for something to grow there, but without the right nutrients, it could not grow. But just through that seven inches of rain, now came this beautiful, fruitful, kind of amazing valley that came forth. And as I started to look at this story, I thought, man, how true is that of so many people's lives? 
There's so many people think my dream is dead, but I'm here to tell you it's not dead, it's just dormant. Come on, it just needs the right nutrients, the right ingredients, and something will start to burst forth. It's already there, it's just dormant. So you're here tonight, you've got to recognise this, that God has a dream for you. He has a vision for you. And all you need to, need to do is simply place yourself in a space, in an, in an atmosphere, in an environment with the Lord that will enable you to receive all He needs to give you so that you can see this thing come into fruition. It's not dead. It's just dormant. There's a great um, historical figure. Her name was Helen Keller. Helen Keller was born deaf, blind, and mute. And she said this of vision, catch this. She said, the only thing worse than being blind, which she was, is to have sight with no vision. The only thing worse, in her opinion, than being blind was to have sight but no vision. So tonight here, my question is, what is your vision? What do you see when your eyes are open? What do you see through this? Because yes, you can dream up here in your sleep, but what's the vision of your heart? You might have sight, but do you have vision? And not just any vision, do you have a God vision? Because I believe there is a difference between the two. So this is where Solomon comes in. And Solomon says, listen, vision is not just a nice thing. It's not just a handy thing. It's not just something, you know, it's a nice accessory to have in life. He says, listen, without vision, people perish. Without vision, people run wild. He says, you must have a vision. And he isn't just talking about any vision. He talks about a God vision. So you're here tonight, you're thinking, man, what's my dream? What's the dream that God has for my life? Or what's the plan for my life? What's the vision I should have? I'm here to tell you, God has it for you if only you would approach Him about it. So, so, so let's answer this question tonight. Like, how do, I, how do I actually get that God dream in my life? Like, does anyone want to know how to get a God vision for your life? Anyone? Just by show of hands. Give me a little wave. That's you. Cool. Okay. If you don't, it's all good. Sit back, relax, enjoy, right? But, but I want to tell you tonight, there is something that God has for every person in this room. But how do we get to it? And this is going to be extremely simple because that's just how I operate. I'm, a sim- I'm not a smart man, okay? But I, am, I do like to simplify what I believe is the simplicity of the gospel. Yes, God is complex. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is a mysterious God, but He wants to make things simple so that you and I can actually access the, have access to this, right? So to point number one, how do I get a God vision for my life? Well, number one, you need to let God clean your heart. What? James, like, where's, where's the big hurrah? Where's the like, honestly, this is like really cleaning the heart? What's that got to do with vision? The Bible says without vision, people perish. But it doesn't just start with getting a vision. Before God can give you a vision, He needs to clean up the lens in which you are getting that vision through. So I'll put it to you this way. Um, I, I, I like to go to the gym. I went to the gym the other week. I finished uh, working out. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm just crazy because, you know, it's pretty hard um, doing jazzercise. So after I finished, I'm joking. I'm just trying to keep you engaged. But I'm, I'm sweating. And, and I actually um, I go to Woolworths to get some dinner for the family. So I run into Woolworths. I go to the freezer section to get something. And I had my glasses on my collar of my shirt. I walk back out of Woolworths. I put my glasses back on. And I'm literally, I'm blind. And I'm stumbling through the car park of Woolworths. Cars are beeping at me. I'm like, what? what's going on? And I take off my glasses and I realize because of the temperature change, it had fogged up the lenses. Simply just fogged up the lenses. All I needed to do was, you know, clean the lenses and then I could see clearly again. Do you realize as simply as I cleanse or cleaned the lenses, that's how easy and simply God can clean or cleanse your heart. As dirty as you think it might be, God says, I can clean that up. Because until I clean that up, you will never see clearly. 
You'll never see me clearly. You'll never see your vision clearly. Jesus said it like this on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He says, um, and this is a word we often don't like. He said, blessed are the pure of heart. Or blessed are those whose hearts are, let's say this word, pure, for they shall see God. Crazy thing is when we see that word purity, how many people already feel like, I give up? Purity, are you, like, you're saying until I become pure, I will never truly see God. Well, thanks for nothing, God. Like, I guess I won't be seeing you anytime soon. Like, I can't be pure. I know the state of my life. And God's, when Jesus was talking about the Sermon on the Mount, this is not a religious checklist that you and I must adhere to and get right before we can experience His blessing. No, He's saying, if you, you're blessed when you let me make your heart pure, then you will see God. Everything of the Beatitudes is not you doing, it's Him doing through you when you let Him. So what God wants to do is step in and to clean the lens of your heart because until then you will never truly see God. Let me clean this up. I love this. And Eugene Peterson puts it like this in the message paraphrase. Watch this. He says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your heart and your mind put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Catch that. God is actually, before God can do radical things through you, He wants to do a radical thing in you. And what He wants to do is put right this, your heart and your mind. Because if I don't put this right, if I don't clean this up, it will be a distorted view of what I truly want to do in your life. So that is the work of the cross. It's again, not you doing it, but allowing Him to do it through you. So He says, before I can get you a great vision, before I can show you exactly what I want for your life, I need to clean, clean up the lens in which you're going to view your future and what you're going to view me through. Let me clean this up. I'll put it to you this way. The cleanness of your heart will determine the cleanness of your vision. The cleanness of your heart will determine the clearness of your vision. So therefore, every day we should come to the Lord and just say, hey God, can you keep cleaning this up? I just want to see you clearly and I want to see your plans for me clearly. And it's a daily journey. That's what the Bible, big theological word called sanctification, which basically means, God, would you just keep on cleaning this thing up? Because I just want to keep seeing clearly. I want everything you have me, but I want to see it not through the distorted lens of sin and shame and guilt. I want to see it through the lens of your grace but I need to let him clean it up. Number two, what do you need to do to get God vision or a clear God vision in your life? Well, no, you let him clean your heart up. But secondly, you, you, you actually need to ask God to reveal his vision for your life. Now, this is like, are you, are you kidding? Like God is not trying to stay at a distance where you can just stumble your way forward, figuring out what his plans are. He says, those who ask, come on, you're gonna receive what you ask for. If you seek me, you'll... Find me. If you knock, the door's open. Like, just ask me. So the Bible actually says this. In, 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 again, we read in Proverbs that without vision in the King James Version, you'll perish. But the NLT says without divine guidance. Without divine guidance. So what I'm not here today is to propagate to you, you know what, you just need to get a dream for your life. Just get that dream going. You know, come on, stir it up. Like, no, this is not a hype fest. And I don't know why I did it in an American, but it seemed to work well, okay? But... Like, it's, this is not me hyping you up because I'm not saying you should get a vision. I'm saying you should ask God what His vision is for you. Like, what would He have you do? Now, now here's the thing. A, we, we struggle with this because the truth is when we have our own vision, our own intentions in our own ways, we typically undersell ourselves and things that God wants to do through us. We're always thinking smaller. We're always thinking less. 
that's just the human condition. Usually it's just, I just think, for me even, like I just want to get this stuff in my life. And God's like, hold on a sec. Yes, I want to do big things in your life, but I also want to do big things through your life. It always goes beyond you. That's how big my vision is, God would say. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, it, it, th- this is something we have struggled with and people have struggled with all throughout history when it comes to man or people in God. There's a guy in the Bible, his name is Abraham. He is known as the father of faith. He is the poster child of faith, if you will. And he struggled to even allow God to, to, to actually, or to even trust God with the vision that God wanted to do in his life. Like he struggled. He always thought so small. He actually has this one situation in Genesis. The Bible says that Abraham has a vision. His vision for his life was what? He's like, God, I just want to have one son. That would be fantastic. Abraham, just so you know, is 100 years old. His wife is 80. How many people know you're going to go, good on you, Abraham. Still got it, still got it, buddy. Keep going. You know, like he, he, he has a bit and he just wants one son. He has no son. He just wants one. And, and he comes to God about it. And God says this, watch this in Genesis. He says, um, then God, or then the Lord, I should say, took Abraham outside. Everyone say outside. And said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars. Let's say this together. If you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And I love this. As I started to read it, I thought, man, my goodness, this is, yes, a literal thing because Abraham was inside his tent when God spoke to him. So, so basically, now listen, I'm not much of a camper. I just got to let you know this. Um, I think tents and camping are amazing. I really do. But I do think we are supposed to progress in the future. I think tents were amazing until they invented the house. Okay, so anyways, so that's just not me. That's not how I roll. But um, so for the one of the very few times in my life, I'm about to hop in a tent. Okay, so uh, inside the tent, Abraham is inside and God is speaking to him saying, Abraham, I want you to, I want you to come out. And, and what you got to understand about the tent is the tent is symbolic of Abraham's vision. Limited, it has a capacity, but not much. And Abraham says, God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to come out. I want you to come outside of this thinking. Not just the thinking of yourself, but you're thinking of me. And as I started to kind of reflect upon this, I started to realize, welcome back. Uh, I started to realize that, that this, this tent thinking is so common for us. Like there's people in this room and God is saying, I want you to come outside of that thinking. Because it's limiting the vision I have for your life. And I believe there's three things that keep people in what I would call tent thinking. You want to know them? These are the three things. I believe it would be distraction, discouragement, deception. Distraction, discouragement, deception. These are the things that keep us in tent thinking, in limited capacity thinking, especially when it comes to vision for our lives. First things first, just distraction. Like we live in one of the most distracted times in the world. We cannot ever stay focused on anything. Why? Because we've got devices. And I'm, look, I'm not against Instagram and all that. You can follow me at James M. Murray. But I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I'm just saying that we're so distracted, right? But these distractions are distracting us from the God vision. And, and this distraction that is keeping, we often get distracted, often in other people's worlds, by the way. The sin of comparison I just keep looking at them and living vicariously through them and we neglect the fact that God has a unique vision for us but I'm so distracted by their vision, I neglect to live my vision. So this distraction keeps you in the tent. Secondly, this whole tent thinking is that you're just discouraged. There's people here and the reason why you don't think any bigger about your life is because you failed before. You've made some mistakes. You feel discouraged. And I want to tell you tonight, welcome to the party. 
We all have. If perfection was God's goal out of us, we would never have ever got close to having relationship with Him. We couldn't. Discouragement happens. But discouragement can also have the ability just to keep you. Man, I don't know. I don't want to try again. And I don't try once and I can't. But, but it keeps you there. The third thing, watch this, is deception. Now, they don't know, we, you know, again, you might be new to church, but you've got to realize that there is a spiritual realm to this. And there is an enemy to your soul. His name is the devil. And he hates the fact that you would live out a God vision for your life. So what he would love to do is just to deceive you. Hey, man, you know what? Just don't worry about God vision. Live for you. That's 10 thinking. Make it about you. You get yours. You get your, your own. Make it all about your life because, man, that's where real satisfaction And it's just deception. Yeah, that's where you're going to get satisfaction. Get that career. Get that relationship. Get those things. Only to find, as Pastor Craig mentioned earlier, man, I was there at the top, but it still didn't fulfill. Why? Because deception just keeps you in the tent. But I love this about God. God says, Abraham, come outside. Come outside of that thinking. Come outside of deception, discouragement, distraction. Come and let me show you. And I love what what God says to Abraham. He says, Abraham, hey, you have a vision for one son, which is good for you. That's your vision. That's going to impact your family. Great. But I have a vision that's going to impact the world. So yes, I'm going to give you the son, but I'm also going to give you more than you asked for. I'm going to show you what. And and he dares Abraham. Abraham, I want you to count the stars if you can. I love God. So cheeky, man. He's like, I dare you to do it. I can imagine Abraham going, okay, fine. One, two, three, seven, 40 million. Like he, probably not 40 million, but he went pretty far and then gave up and said, God, that is impossible. And God would have said, exactly. It is impossible. For you to achieve this in your own strength, in your own ability, it is. That's why God gives you a vision that's far bigger than yourself. Why? Because it requires God to achieve it. And God just wants to be in the mix of everything we're doing. So we're not, come on, trusting in ourselves. We're not leaning in our own understanding, but we're putting all our trust in Him. So God will give you visions that scare you. Can I tell you, if it scares you, good, because it'll scare you towards God. It'll make you go, God, I can't do this. And He's like, exactly, that's why I'm here. So I pray He does that for you. I pray He gives you such a big vision for your life that you go, God, how am I able to do this? And He goes, yes, you can't. That's why my grace is sufficient. Because you can't do it, but, but I can. But I dare you to do this tonight. Why don't you ask God what His vision is for your life? You can, you can figure out your own vision, but why don't you ask Him? And, and here's the thing. like This might actually um, rattle you a little bit here tonight, but... How many people know um, that you can actually do great things without God? You can. Some people are like, what? Wait, really? Where is this guy from? Quick, get him off the stage. Like, you can't say that. Yeah, no, you can. History is full, riddled with people who did a lot of things for their own glory, and they did a lot of things that were great. But there is a difference. Because you can do things that make a historical impact, or you can make... You can actually do things that create an eternal impact. And only one of men, one of them you can do in your own strength, the other one requires God. So which one do you want to do? And I actually think, before I go to this next point, I've just got to get this across, that imagine all the great historical things that have taken place, just man doing it on his own, and we go, wow, that is amazing. Shoot, that's so good. That's so impacting. Imagine what would happen if they put that dream in the hands of God. Like their dreams compared to God was a tent compared to what God could have done. 
So listen, you could probably achieve some great things in this life without God, but imagine what could happen if you did include God. Or if you ask God, hey God, here's this vision, here's my plans, would you show me what you want me to do? Number three, last but not least, and the keys play to come. I, I think if you want a God vision, this is the most important step. You need to actually um, ask God to help you to trust Him with the steps. Ask Him to help you with the steps. You see, um, this, is, this is the whole thing. Like we struggle sometimes with God vision because we think, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that? I can't do that. And it's at this point you need to ask God, hey, help me God to trust you with the steps to do this. Now, this is crazy, this crazy portion of Scripture. I love it. It's one of my favourites. This is in Mark. And, and Mark is, um, he, he, he pens this story about a man who, who's a father. He has a young boy and his young boy has a, he has a, a spirit on him that causes him to, to really throw himself into, into fire and water and it's just destructive for him. And watch this. Jesus says this in the book of Mark. He basically says, how long has it been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. Spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. He says, have mercy on us and help us. What are these three words again? Ready? If you can. Once upon a time, God is saying to Abraham, hey, count the sales if you, if you can count them. And now this man's coming to God, Jesus saying, hey, if you can heal him. And I love Jesus' response. What do you mean, if I can? What do you mean? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the reason why I love this story so much is because this man's, the man's response to this is where I'm at often, often. Watch, watch what he says to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, man, instantly he's like, oh my gosh, God, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Like I do believe, but like here's what I found, that I do believe statements, we make them on the outside a lot. I do believe we can win a city, but on the inside we're like, but... I do believe you can heal my friend on the inside, but we always have that but there. Like it's always there. Like oh, I'm not 200% sure. And we're very confident with the I do believe statements, but on the inside, we've all got that little but. Not 100% sure, God. And he says to Jesus, he said, can you help me overcome that? You can imagine, I would think God's reaction would be like, are you, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm God. How dare you question me? No, Jesus says, yeah, I can help you. Which shows me then that faith or trust in God is just like salvation and it's just like grace. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. So what we're trying to say here tonight is not like, hey, get a vision and you just go and do it in your, all strength, in your own strength. You realise that every one of these steps requires God, every single one. God, clean up my heart. I need you to do that. Yep, I'll do that for you. God, show me your vision of my life. Yep, I'll help you do that. God, help me to trust you with the steps. Yep, I hope you do that. It's all God from start to finish. It all requires Him. And all of it. it. And God's like, listen, I've got it for you. And this is how beautiful, this is why it's called the good news of the Gospel. Because really we have very few parts to play and all we need to do is say, God, I just, I'm just gonna ask. I'm just, that's all I need to do. Just ask and position. Ask and position and God says, I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. If you would just ask me and just position yourself in that place, I'm gonna take care of it all. I'm gonna clean it up. I'm gonna show you and I'm gonna help you take the steps forward. I'm gonna help you to even trust me with the steps. How good is God? So tonight, hey, um, if seeing is believing, then ask God to help you see it and believe it because He wants to help you with all of it.
maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, I just don't know what God's vision is for my life. I don't know. Well, have you asked Him? And before you even ask that question, I, I would even say, come to God and say, God, like, does this thing need cleaning up? Maybe the reason why you can't see clearly what He has for you is because you haven't allowed Him to clean the heart up. And He wants to do it. And I believe this is in order. He will clean up your heart first before He shows you the vision. Why? Because He doesn't want you to see it through that lens. It's distorted. It's foggy. It's not the right way. But if you would let me clean it up. But either way, we all have a God vision. Now I'll, go, I'll say this and then we're done and we're handing over. Um, there is a vision for this church and it is amazing. It is. I love, I love hearing about it. I love the heart that your pastors have for this church and for this area and for this city. Um, but as much as there is a vision for this church, you realise there's a unique vision for you. So in the same way that you have a unique set of fingerprints, there is a unique vision for you. And do you realise that when you die, your fingerprints die with you? Like no one else inherits them. No one else is born even a couple of generations later that might have the same genetic kind of, and they, and they have the same. No, we all have unique fingerprints, not one of them the same. That is fascinating in my opinion. And in the same way, God has a vision for your life that is unique to you. And let me tell you, that vision dies with you. So don't get to the end of your life and go, well, I just, I didn't, I just didn't even ask about the God vision. Because don't let this generation or our time miss out on the God vision that you need to bring to this world. Because it's unique to you. And as much as it's unique to us, all of it culminates together into this great mission and plan that God has, which He does through His church. But we all play a part. Our unique vision makes up the greater vision like pieces on a puzzle, but we all need that piece to play its part because there's a unique vision. Come on, and the world needs you to have that vision and live out that vision by God's grace. We need it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.